So, Paul, we just welcome you and I feel very welcome here. Three of my family is standing right there in the back. One is right here. And I want you to give a hand to Andrew and to Eric. Raise your hand, Eric. Bob. They just went out today and got our new sound system. So, way to go. And you're clapping for yourself because you paid for it. So, thank you, Andrew and Eric, for getting the sound. Clint called from Australia yesterday, and they're on the way home. They had a thrilling time in Papua New Guinea. We'll probably hear about it next week. He said that um, his greatest joy was being there, not teaching, just being there and seeing the humble beauty of the Papua New Guinea people. So they, they touched the nation. They impacted the nation. We're going to start a house church, and that'll start in November. That'll be Sunday morning, and it's for any of you who are not connected. We're not trying to pull you out from a place where you are, but if you are not and would like to be a part of a house church, intergenerational, all ages, we'd love to have you. Okay? Good deal. Love you too, Polly. Like your black coat. <laughs> How are you doing on your prayer life? We talked about prayer about three weeks ago. Remember, I encourage you to do a prayer agenda. Is it working for you? I hope you're trying it. I hope you got a time. If you don't have a time, it's less likely that you'll have prayer. Karen and I have a date because we plan it and we set it. Right, honey? Amen. Amen. So if it's important, you plan it. Plan to do it. Pick a time. Pick a time that works for you. I like to get up before the devil gets up, but if that doesn't work for you, get up, do it, do it some other time. But make sure you, you have it, because that's what relationship is about, it's spending time together. Newbies, I'd like to meet with you, if anybody else wants to meet with them, you can too, but if you're new here tonight, after the meeting we go upstairs, we've been having great times with the newbies we got special newbie people here. Special newbie people. <laughs> Say that fast. Five times. Special newbie people. Special newbie people. And, uh, hey, we do have some special people here tonight. Have you noticed these special people? They're from an alien land. They're from a different country. They don't speak our language. But yes, they do. They speak ours and theirs. We only speak ours, they speak theirs, and ours. No way, right, no way. So, we welcome Norwegian pastors here from all around Norway. Some of you probably don't know this, but I, this is not my main job, is to 
entertain you guys. I do something else. I work as a pastor. Uh, I direct the work of Lutheran Renewal. How many knew that? I'm curious. Did anybody? Any, some of you knew that. Okay. Uh, and what I do here, he started doing before he was 30 years old. I'm an old man. I mean, he got a start. A young leader. I remember him. A radical young leader. Now he's a little older radical leader. Uh, welcome. Yes, Petter. We've been friends for a long time. And, uh... Thank you, Paul. I lived here in Minnesota for uh, six months, 25 years ago. And hardly any one of you were born at that time. <laughs> but it's good to be back. We are 11 uh, Norwegian pastors and leaders. And we are here visiting different churches in order to see how to reach the people the Lord has died for, Jesus died for, and how to reach people uh, to, who God is missing. You know, there's lot, there are lots of people all in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, in St. Paul, all over Norway, all over the world, that the Lord is missing. The Father is missing his kids. And we are asked to go and find the kids he is missing. And how to do that, we have to learn it, we have to pray about it, we have to ask the Lord to give us words and give us and live a godly life in order to find the people God is missing. God is, the Father is missing so many of his creations so much and he asked all of us here to go and find them. Your neighbors, your family, your schoolmates, people you are working together with, and that's what we are here for. We got lots of inspiration meeting American Christians, see how you are doing things. So we have been to Eaglebrook Church for five days, and now we are here, and we are going to different churches after this, just to learn a little more. And I, that has been uh, on my heart all my life. When I was in the, your age, most of you in the early 20s, when I had finished the seminary and started to work, started full-time ministry, we tried to reach the missing people in Norway at that time. And it was so difficult and it was so hard. I had not, lots of Bible knowledge. I had lots of uh, strat strategic thoughts, but still it was so hard to reach the people, the missing kids. And the way we did it, we said, how can we do it? And at that time, the Lord was, there was a revival movement going on all over the world. The Lord came and filled his people with his Holy Spirit all over the world in the 60s, back, back then. And we cried to the Lord and said, Lord, we want to raise all these missing kids, all your people all over the world and in this country. Come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. And at that time we were in our mid-twenties. And to make a long story short, the Lord really met us, filled us with His Holy Spirit, equipped us with His gifts, and turned our lives upside down. And that was, uh, that was, and we, and we had a new, new feeling, a new experience. The Lord, despite all our weaknesses, despite all our faults, despite ourselves, the Lord is living within us with His, in, with His Holy Spirit and everything is possible with God. God. And that was, uh, 
And after we had experienced this, a few pastors, we invited a few people to come and we want to share our testimony. Holy Spirit has filled us, turned our lives upside down. And we hoped like uh, 20, 30, 50 persons, uh, colleagues, uh, pastors, leaders would come and listen to us. And when we, when we started this uh, meeting, 1,200, 1, 1,200 people showed up, leaders, pastors from all over the country. And that was the start of the renewal movement in a, in a way, what we call Oasis, Oase in Norway. And from that point on, we, we, we have uh, been working and min doing ministry in order to reach the missing kids. So I want to encourage you young guys, it's not too early to start. Go for your dreams. And I, I urge you to, f in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord in you, want to direct you, want to comfort you, want to say, tell you how to do it and where to go in His power because it's so important for the Lord to find His missing kids. Amen. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are still alive and your heart is longing for the missing kids all over the world. And Father, we ask you this night to use us, come again, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, equip us with your gifts, and fill us with your love, so we can reach all those around us, save them for heaven, and give them a life where they can close the door to the past, that they have hope for the future and can live for a thing greater than themselves today. Amen. 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 You want us to sing an Norwegian song for you? Yeah. <laughs> you know when you are going when you are going to heaven, that will be the heavenly language anyway. So let's just practice it. You guys, my pastor colleagues, come forward. Let me give you a singing love of Jesus. Is that okay? Yeah. 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 We have a we have a few a few younger guys here too, as you see. Yeah.
a brave lady? kids that need to read this. One is on judgment, on criticism. Am I qualified to judge? In other words, storms, perfect and otherwise. So, take them on your way out. Okay, I need some help from three people. I'm going to do an introduction to the talk. And uh, if this if this really just catches on, then we won't even get to the talk. Okay, we've got three guys. Here, I'll give you each one, and you stand, just, okay, stand where you need to be, facing them. Okay, can you read it in the back, Andrew? You can't see that? It says past, present, future. You got it. Okay. So, this is just the intro. I want to know now how you relate to your past, how you relate to your present, how you relate to your future. I want you to think. This will be very hard, very difficult. But, or, okay, how do you relate to your past? What, and, and I mean, that's not one answer. There's 30 answers. Learn. No, okay, how do you learn? Mistakes. Ooh, okay. We have mistakes. We have learning. We have mistakes. Okay, keep going. What? How? Other ways that we relate to our past. Lessons. We have lessons, yes. Memory. memory. We have uh, good memories or... We got all kinds of memories, don't we? We've got memories back there. We relate to our past. We connect with our past through our memory. We think about something. And that connects us with our past. Sometimes it's a nice memory. And then we have a happy thought or or bad memory. What other ways do we connect with our past? People. Okay, what do you mean? We people from the past. People people. Okay, relationships in the past. Denial? Like denying the past? Or? Yeah, like denying like you did something. Okay, yeah, we can relate to the past through denial. 
Pardon? Regret? What's regret? what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Regret. Hold on. Hold on. Come on. Come on. Regret. Bitterness. Re regret is a powerful emotion that connects us with the past, isn't it? Try to think of a regret. What? Huh? Was he going to say something? Okay, I'll call, I'll call him. Can you think of a regret? Something that, that connects you to your past. Where you're regretting something. You know the difficulty with regret? It doesn't go anywhere. It, it, it goes nowhere. But that can connect you. Relationships. Okay, one or two more. There's a lot more that we could say. We relate to our past by remembering. Deuteronomy, is, in his sermon, Moses told them, remember, do not forget. Some things we are to forget, though. Paul said to forget. So we relate to our past by forgetting. We relate to our past by remembering. Sometimes we try to forget, but it's still, it's there in our memory bank. Okay, I'm going to ask you a personal question now. How do you personally relate to your past? Think about it, because everybody has a relationship with your past. And that either gives strength to your future, or in some cases it can actually hold you in your past, can't it? There are some who live in the past. Some because of pain, some because of glory. I visited a church once in Boston. If I told you the name of the pastor who used to be there, probably most of you would know it. And when I got left the church, I felt like I'd been in a museum, that I hadn't been in a church. They were so glorifying their past. They had no future. They knew they didn't. But they had a past. Like a has-been movie star who wears makeup to cover her past. No present, no future, just a past. So, how are you with your past? How do we deal with our past as we relate to it? What do, what do we need to do to deal with our past? What are some ways? That's one way. We have to accept, because everything belongs. That's what my friend uh, Dan Siemens, he says that. Everything belongs. Accept it, what else do we do? Pardon? Grace, grace can come in here. Pardon? What do you mean? Easy to do that, isn't it? If it's painful, we don't want to deal with it. Joe Johnson, who was here a few months ago, he said, you know, you know that you're healed when you can thank God for how he's used the pain of your past. How do we deal with our future? How do we relate to our future? Hope. Hope. We have hope. 
We don't have hope for our past because it's already been there. We hope for what we don't see. Hope is in the future. How else do we deal with our future? Plans. Plans. Okay. Yeah, we make plans. Do they all come to the past? No. Because we can't. Okay. How else do we relate? Faith. Pardon? Faith. Faith. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's what you see is not faith. If it's in the present, it's not faith. If it's in the it's in the future, it's faith. Because when we relate to, well, keep going here. How else do we relate to our future? Dreams. Do you have a dream? What do you want to share? What your dream is? Okay. How many have a dream that that you have a pretty good idea uh, that it, God's given you a dream, something about your future? Yeah, we relate out of those things that God slips into our heart, something about the future, something that we're walking into. We, we walk into things that we can't see it, but we're walking. Okay? Sometimes fear. fear. We can fear the future. The future can look foreboding. Sometimes we relate to the future by fear. Fear is a kind of faith. We're believing the worst. What? Goals. Good. Good. Yeah. Got Goals. Things that we were setting, we're trying to go for. We're trying to setting our yeah. Yeah. Peace. Per, peace toward the future. Good. Okay. Hey, okay. How are you relating to your own future? Is your future foreboding? Is it is it exciting? Do you have a do you have confidence? Do you have faith as you move toward that? Okay, how do we relate to the present? With humility. Say more there, Brett. What do you, what do you mean? Well, accepting the past and, and uh, being humble where you're at and, and what you've learned from your past and where you want to go in your future by you know praying about it, letting things go that you've done, and good accepting it. Good accepting it. And humility. Other good. Because it's possible not to be humble about the present. It's possible to think that you, you have it, that you know it. How else? Think, think about a negative way that a lot of people relate to their present. It's a philosophy of life that focuses completely on the present. Paul? Depression? Complained? Uh, well. Complacency? Paul said, if there's no future, if, 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 if we take out the future, the future is out of the way, then if all we have is a present, how, do, how would we live? Paul says, if there's no resurrection, we're of all to be pitied. He says, eat, drink, and be merry. That, get, what, get what you can, get all the toys you can. Capitalism, materialism, naturalism. Focus on so much on the present that we lose sight of the future. All we've got is the present, and we're going to go for it. We're going to collect as many toys as we can get. That's our life. That's our present. We're not thinking about the future. We're thinking about the present. It's possible to think. Okay, here's what I want to do. Put, come, come. Did we put praise on the bottom there? Praise. That's the there you go. Good. Okay, come back, future. 
This is a long introduction, and I'll, I'll uh, cut down the message in light of this. But uh, I want I want us to to look tonight toward eternity and and seek to live in light of eternity. I didn't know how to do this for a while because when people talked about heaven, though I was a strong, I was a Christian, I thought I was pretty strong, but I didn't want to think about heaven because I had a skewed understanding of what it really was. I want to talk a little bit about heaven tonight in hopes of giving you a stronger outlook toward your eternity, which will then allow you to live powerfully in the present and relate to your past. If you have, if your future is secure, and I brought something along to show you, the Bible says that hope is an anchor. And we need to be anchored in the future. If you have hope for the future, you have hope for the present. If you, if you have pain today, and you know that that's going away, You can handle it. But if you don't know how long it's going to take, that's, that's pretty impressive. Oh man, this will be here for a long time. Paul says, our light momentary affliction is working for us an eternal weight of glory. So what I want to do for a moment is look at the end of the book and hopefully give you a picture of eternity that will allow you to live today with power. To live today with hope. To live today with peace. Because the future is a settled issue. These guys did a good job, didn't they? Come on. Come on. You got one more job, guys. Pass these out and then you can sit down. I'll take one. Whoops, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, way to mess you up. Huh? Get your Bibles, open them up to Revelation chapter 21. and old people think more about heaven than people in between, but the more you, you fall in love with Jesus and want to be with Jesus, and the more you understand what we're looking forward to, what's ahead of us, the easier it will be for us to focus our attention there. The Bible says, set your hope completely on the revelation that is coming to you with Jesus Christ, on the grace that is coming to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we are to be people of the future, people who are living the present with a, with a future look. And so that's my goal tonight, is to give you a picture of eternity that will 
delight you and make you want to live there. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I didn't, for a long time, I didn't know about the new earth. I just knew about the heaven. God started with a good earth. Everything was good. And he's going to end with a good earth. That was wonderful news to me. When I discovered that there's going to be a renewal of the earth. Listen to this passage in Matthew 19. Verse 28, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, God is not going to trash what he started out with. He's going to renew it. The Bible says, behold, I make... He doesn't say all new things. He's going to make all things new. I think it's going to look like it did when we started, only a lot better. I wouldn't be surprised if there are mountains and rivers and places to hike. It's a new earth. First Timothy talks about how demons over-spiritualize, and I think that's what we've done with heaven. We over-spiritualize ourselves out of bodies into spirits, like we're floating spirits out in the universe or on clouds playing harps. I'm not interested in playing a harp. I'm not interested in riding on a cloud. I am interested in exploring the universe, exploring the new earth. That sounds exciting to me. And I have a body. In heaven, I have a body. Say amen. So I believe... In the resurrection of the body. That's what we say in our Apostles' Creed. We have bodies. Do we eat food in heaven? Yes. If we're going to a wedding supper, I don't know if there's a wedding supper without supper. <laughs> Jesus said, I will not eat from the fruit of the vine until the day I... Yeah, until next time. Until I eat it with you in my Father's house. So there's going to be food. And the cook, the chef, is not going to be Big John, although he'd do a good job. He's coming back, by the way. He'll be back in a week. The cook, according to Isaiah, is the father that God is going to cook for us in this recreation. And right now, we're beginning to feel the beginnings of birth pangs. And it's going to shake, rattle, and roll. After a while. Look what it says here. Read it with me. The creation itself. will You can read it. Will be liberated from its bondage to decay. And brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been growing. As in the pains of childbirth. Right up to the present time. Those who have experienced childbirth could tell us that there's groaning going on. There's travail. But then there is a birth. And the Bible speaks of the earth as undergoing a birth, a rebirth. The 
the picture I get is the picture of that, the way Lion King ends. Remember, as it looks, it looks like a desert, and then it just looks like a glorious place, a place that you'd like to live. Heaven is coming to earth, and it's going to be a place that you would love to live. I look forward to that. Makes me want to think about it now. I think about it. In fact, it's on my prayer list, and I thank God for heaven just about every day. I think about what it's going to be like. That allows me to live with the pain today. Because I think of what it's going to be like in the future. That's our anchor. See, that gives us an anchor. When things are hard, when I have pain, thank you, Allie, for what you did with us. Because we have pain. We have sorrow. So we need an anchor. What is the anchor that God gives us? It's an anchor of hope. The Bible calls hope an anchor. And we're anchored in our future so we can deal with the present. We're not, we're not pushed. We're not uh, like uh, pushed by the wind of sorrows and difficulties and pain. We can say, I, I'm feeling it now, but I know there's a day when I'll not feel it. And the recreated earth, that's the first thing. Second thing, back to Revelation 21. Romance. Hey, come on. Romance is fun, right? Amen. <laughs> who, who said amen? I'm going to know who said amen. Okay. All right. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. It started as a walk, and it ends as a wedding. It's romantic. Do you know that physical intimacy is one of the symbols of the passion of God, God's love for his people? That's a picture of it. It's not that porn is too passionate. It's not passionate enough. It lacks the passion of a passionate God. It's mechanistic. God's got passion. He is so desirous of relating and romancing his people. He said to the, uh, to the elder brother who just said, oh, I don't want to even be with you. You never give me a kid so I might marry with my friend. He said, we have to celebrate. There's a compulsion in the heart of God to celebrate you, to romance you. He's passionate. He's a lover. And we read at the end about... The intimacy, the wedding. Man, you, girls cry. I see girls crying. I see crying at weddings. Why? Why do you do that, girl? Some guys cry too often, but more. What's going on there? Anybody want to say? Is it so sad? It's, it's, it's really, it's so happy that it makes you cry. And it's so wonderful that you have tears. It's so wonderful. Every bride is beautiful. And the bride of Christ is a beautiful bride and one that Christ is looking forward to. He is making plans now for this bride that he adores. And he's getting things ready. By the way, if somebody tell, told me to go to hell... I'd say to them, you know, as far as I know, hell, hell's not ready yet. It's not being populated yet. Nobody's in hell. Satan's not in hell. He gets thrown into hell. 
Revelation talks about that. But hell is not, is under construction. And so is heaven. Heaven is a special place. Now, when you die, you go to heaven. But it's not the heaven that you're going to be at for the rest of your eternity. That's under construction. And it'll be coming down when it gets ready when the bridegroom comes down. Third thing, relationship. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is, what does it say? With men. I like prepositions. Do you like prepositions? You know what I like about prepositions? They're humble, they're self-effacing, they, they point away from themselves, they point to their object. A preposition connects words. And look what this preposition, it's a good preposition, with, it's a great preposition. It connects, look at who it connects. Who does it connect to? Who does it connect? Us with God. Not us with God here, it's God with us. So, this may sound radical, but in one sense, you're not going to heaven. Heaven's coming to you. There's a truth here. God is coming to us. God is coming to earth. Our Father who art on earth. That's, that's where he'll be. He started on earth. Genesis 1. See, you know the end from the beginning, and you know the, the end by looking at the beginning. The Alpha and the Omega. You see the beginning, and that gives you a clue to the end. We have an earth, and we have a God who comes down and is with us. That's incredible. God's coming to earth, and he wants to be with. So we can take walks, so we can be with God. My. That's pretty wonderful. Deja vu. <laughs> He's back on earth again. I can look forward to that. Even more than going to heaven. God coming down. Emmanuel is God with us. God with us. That's a pretty strong with too. This is wonderful. We're relating to an eternal God. Okay, what's the fourth one? I didn't put it here because I want you to think, okay, what is that? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Revelation 21.4. What's the re here? Re. Pardon? Hey, that could work. That's what it looks like they're doing in the picture. you got to read my mind, don't you? That's too hard. It's relief. He's bringing relief. He's coming to relieve us of the pain that's a part of our daily life. I think of a, a friend, Steve Tinney. We used to work out together at the, at the gym at North Heights. And as they celebrated their son's 20th birthday without their son, he got something incurable, and a few days later he was dead. They never even had a chance to say goodbye to him. You know, 
You can sort of expect to bury your parents. You don't want to bury your kids. And Steve buried his boy. And then they celebrated his birthday after he was gone. Such pain, I can't imagine it. There's going to be no more death. Death is destroyed. No more mourning. Did you cry today? Anybody cry today? Anybody have pain enough to cry? Sorrow? In the present, we have pain. It's a part of life. But in the midst of my pain, it helps me to look to eternity and to say, there's going to be no more pain. That's the way we're meant to live. That's what Jesus gives it to us for, so that we can look to our future and say, there's a day when this is going to be gone. And I want you to learn how to do that if you're not doing it now, because it won't take away your pain, but it will, it will put it in perspective. That's why Paul, who was beaten more than any of us have been beaten, who had more sleepless nights than any, more shipwrecked, more times without food, more times in the cold, could say it is light and it's momentary. It's just a moment. Because any amount of time over eternity is an imbalanced fraction. There, there's, there's all of eternity in our future. And then there's this moment of pain. And it really hurts. We don't deny it. We don't pretend that it's not there. But we see it in perspective and it gives us a lift. It helps us to live with hope, but we're anchored. We're not just being drifting now. We're anchored because we have hope. That's relief that God promises at the end of the book. He says there will be relief for this. Okay, what's the next one? To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. <clears throat> Any guesses on this one? Refreshment. Refreshment. Yes, refreshment. In heaven, every question is answered, every need is met, every desire is fulfilled. There's no frustration. It's fulfilled. It's total. And if you have unmet expectations, as we all do, if you have desires, there's a yearning in your heart, if there are needs, if there are longings, of course there are. And that's the sorrow of today, because we have so many things. We have frustrations. But there aren't any in heaven. Total refreshment. And, you know, he could invent a new kind of drink. Water will do just fine. He refreshes us with his water. He gives us to drink. I look forward to that. Because sometimes when I'm going through a test, I acknowledge, you know, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good at all. When this place flooded, this place was, the, the carpet was floating. It was floating. And uh, we had some moments where the, the present was very oppressive. It was oppressive. And it, it was weighing down until we were able to look away. And we started singing, Jesus loves me. And it was good to, to look beyond this present situation. Please look beyond. Number six. You won't guess this one. I'll just have to give it to you. Responsibilities. 
Why do I put this? Because we get bored after a while just being refreshed. And one of the things that God knows we love is things to do. And we love responsibilities. And look at these scriptures. Read them with me together. That we're promised, and they will reign forever and ever. Now, what does that mean, reign? In, in chapter 21, the word city is used 11 times. In 22, it's used three, five more times. Three more times. And nation is used three times. In chapter 22, when you have a city, when you have cities, and when you have nations, plural, you've got governments, you've got cultures, you've got responsibilities, you've got oversight, and some of you will have jobs and oversight that will be very satisfying to you. I say some of you because, remember in that parable that Jesus told, and the person who was faithful in the very little, Jesus said, you will get authority over ten cities. Now, is that just, did he just say that? Or was that reality? It sounds to me like Jesus was saying, for, for your faithfulness in little things, you're going to have authority. The way you live now, listen to this now, the way you live now impacts the way you live in heaven, in the new earth. It impacts how you will live and what you will have. And your, your reigning will be related. Look at the, well done, good and faithful servant, because you have been trustworthy in a very little matter. Take charge. Of, oh, I already had it here. There it is. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. I love the one in, in Revelation uh, Five. Uh, no, he, he made them king, uh, kingdom and priests to serve our God, listen to this, and they will reign on the earth. Is that happening now? No. That's happening when Jesus comes back. Some will reign on the earth. Maybe that's you. Maybe you'll be one who's reigning. If you'll have powerful responsibilities. That's going to happen in the new earth. I look forward to that. I was talking to one guy from Communitas. He was kind of looking forward to at least a thousand years in the jacuzzi. And there, there will be rest. You know, there will be. You will, they will rest from their labors, it says in Revelation 14. But it also says that we'll have responsibilities. And let's get ready by being faithful in little things because the Lord's ready to give us responsibilities. And finally, behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Does this scare anybody? You know, I want to say something. When he says rewards, who's he, who's he looking at? You might be thinking, I'm no Billy Graham. I'm no Mother Teresa. I won't get much of a reward. 
Bible says if you give a, give a cup of cold water to one who bears his name, you will not lose your reward. One day I said to God, and I was thinking, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And I was thinking big. Are there, is there something that I can do that I haven't done yet? And I was thinking bigger. And here's how, here's how I heard him respond to me. Do small things better. Not try to do big things. Because it's the little things that count. It's, I saw a father with his three or four year old son. And we were in the airport. He was in the bathroom. And he had taken a paper towel and he would wiped off the counter. And the son was watching. I said, that son is really uh, blessed to have that father who does a little thing. What a wonderful thing. What a humble thing for him to do. Nobody knows, but God knew. I saw it. And that impressed me. I, man, I, I didn't want to forget that. Because if you learn how to do little things, the Father who sees you in secret, the Bible says, will reward you. It's like the, like the wards banquet at the end of the season. There are those who are just glad they made the team and they lettered. And that's, a, that's great. You know, there are those who will get to him by the skin of their teeth, it says in 1 Corinthians, as through fire. They may hate it, and they're glad to be there, and it's going to be fantastic for anybody who gets there. But then there are those who are rewarded because they lived in such a way, they lived with eternity in view. And they were meek, and they weren't grabbing at things because they knew they had it all. Fear not, little flock, for the Father has given you the kingdom. They, they knew they had it, so they didn't have to grab for it. So God's storing up treasures for them. I would like to live in such a way that when he comes back, I'm rewarded. Now, you may say, well, that, that sounds crass. No, that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. See, it's fun. To work for reward. It's fun to work for some goal in sight. It's fun to work for Jesus. He talks about rewards. We're afraid to. I think in the Lutheran church, we're afraid to talk about rewards. Because it sounds like some big payoff. Well, you're just doing it. It works righteousness. No, nothing at all. This is Jesus who is saying this. And he wants us to be motivated to live a life that doesn't worry about today because we have our mark in eternity. And so we live in light of eternity, and so that impacts our day. So we can die to ourselves today. We, don't, we can make our mark in eternity because we're dying to ourselves. And we're not afraid to do that. We're not afraid to be humble and to wipe off a counter in a public restroom. And to, to go low and wait on people. We don't care, even if it's demeaning. Even if people look at us and say, oh, he's, he's scoring points. Look at what he's doing. He thinks he's really something. They don't have a clue. But if you live that way, before God, he sees every humble act of kindness. And you're storing up rewards. Anybody here want to live with eternity in view? Anybody want to have a focus on eternity? So that in the midst of the pain, the sorrow of life, you know, you're not so crushed that you feel like killing yourself or killing somebody else.
But you can say, oh God, this doesn't feel good. But I, I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know what it's going to be like. I know there's going to be no more pain. And I'll accept this right now with the confidence that you've got something good the day after tomorrow. When is Jesus coming back? Scripture makes it clear. When is He coming back? Soon. Soon. Soon and very soon. I guess we better sing that tonight. You know it's my favorite song anyway. Let's... Uh, Let's let's pray. Don't don't close your eyes. The Bible says when you see these things taking place, the signs, lift up your head. Now, you know, not a lot to see here. Maybe you want to close your eyes as you lift up, but lift up your head. Father, I pray that you would help us to live with eternity in view. Forgive us for being so oppressed by the present that we just complain and grumble about the weather, about the test we took in school, or about friends, or about our situation. Please forgive us. Give us, give us a focus. Just take a moment now in your heart to, uh, to say, how am I going to do this? How, how am I going to learn how to live? I didn't do it overnight. I didn't do it a matter of months. It took years. I hope you're quicker than I am. But how are you going to do it? What's going to change? What kind of thinking is going to change? What apparatus are you going to put in place that sets off bells or just take a moment silently? Pray for those here tonight, Lord, who are oppressed by their present. Who wish things were different. And we probably would if we were in their place. And maybe you will change their situation. But before you do that, I pray that you would change their outlook toward their situation. feel that God is birthing hope in some people who have been trying to live without the anchor of hope. God is birthing. Would you let him birth that in your heart tonight? 
Would you let him birth hope in you? Hope is not quiet acquiescence. It's blazing, looking to the future with courage, undaunted by trials. Because your faith is grounded on the shores of eternity, on the solid rock shore of eternity. And therefore, the tyranny of the urgent is not able to oppress you and keep you down. Please see those difficult relationships in light of eternity. Please see your financial stress in light of eternity. Please see the family issues that are so painful in light of eternity. Because it will give you faith. It will give you the ability to believe. In a moment, we're just going to uh, turn quietly toward one another. Somebody else, one-on-one. -on -one. Guys with guys, gals with gals. And we're going to pray. You can pray for yourself. You can pray for the other person. But we're going to pray about our present as it bears on eternity. Just for a moment. And then after we've done that for a minute or two, then... I'm going to ask the prayer ministers to come up and be available to pray with people. Take as much time as you want where you are. <clears throat> Birth hope tonight, God. And then uh, I'll let you know when... Uh, when I leave and we'll meet with the newbies or anybody that if you're not new you've been here for a little while maybe been a month or so but we haven't got a chance to talk and don't know you yet you're welcome as well to come up so turn to someone near you and uh, moment of prayer. <clears throat> <clears throat> 